Hey, party people, who doesn't love a surprise bonus? Am I right? Okay, so in this season's premiere of We're Going There, I'm including this because it's one of my favorite conversations to have with people. My heart and my hope is that this conversation sparks something inside of you that causes you to look at one area of your life of weakness and turn it into a strength. According to my calculations, at date of launching this podcast, we are about 100 days from the end of the year. Ugh, I know, right? So why not reach our full potential before the start of this new decade passes us? I hope you enjoy this talk as much as I enjoyed giving it. Hey, and if you love it, I'd love it if you subscribe to this podcast and shared it with your friends. And if you're feeling real saucy, you can leave a loving review for me too. Get ready because we're going there. And so if you're familiar with Lewis Carroll, he wrote a very famous book called Alice in Wonderland. And he says this, if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. And that was the beginning of his story, Alice in Wonderland. If you're familiar with that, Lewis Carroll's character, Alice, uh, she got enamored with this crazy little rabbit that was running around to and fro. And he said, I'm late, I'm late, I'm late to an important date. And then what happens? She follows this rabbit and she chases this rabbit, uh, this elusive rabbit down into a deep, dark hole. And then when she hits rock bottom, she is then left to uh, make a decision. Is she gonna follow the rabbit or is she gonna figure out her way back home? Now this is important because I believe that pretty soon, especially as we step into a new decade, that these questions of where we will go will haunt us if we don't answer them in our now. So what I want us to do is I want us to think about our now as we prepare for our future. What path are we gonna go on? What decisions are we going to make who are the people that we're going to be for the next decade? And you have to envision that person. Who do you want to be in 2030? And then reverse engineer it and become that person today. What are the decisions that you're making today? What are the relationships you're entering in today? Who do you want to be and reverse engineer that? And then if you remember in that movie, if you've read the book or saw the movie or even gone to see the play, there's this creepy Cheshire cat that has like crazy oogling eyes. And then she finds herself at a crossroad. And if we, if we're not careful, we could find ourselves chasing the elusive rabbit, trying to figure out which way we're going to go to get things from a rabbit that we don't even know that we want. And Alice finds herself on a crossroad and the Cheshire cat says, ooh, which way will you go? Which way will you go? My thing is, is, is I want us to kind of pause on this crazy eyed cat and answer that question, which way do I want to go? Which way are you going? Answer that question in this decade so it could prepare you for the next decade. And my desire is that when you come face to face with our heavenly father, I want him to say, well done good and faithful servant. So today's message, our short 15, 16, maybe 20, if I get a little preacher in me, um, the title of today's message is how to reach your full potential. How to reach your full potential. And I love this because Paul, when he wrote to the church in Philippi, he wrote to the Philippian church, he says this, not that I have already obtained all of this in Philippians 3, verses 12 through 14, or have I already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. 
brothers and sisters here online, Norco Prison Campus, and here in our house where the church began, I say this, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, goodbye 2019, and straining towards what is ahead, hello new decade, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This is us taking our will, our desires, our dreams, our ambition, and conforming conforming them to the will of God. So what does this phrase, reaching your full potential, mean? Uh, By a show of hands, how many have been told, wow, you have a lot of potential? Most of us at one point, that would always frustrate me. Because that what I heard is when someone says, oh, Bianca, you have a lot of potential. I heard, you suck, but with a lot of work, you can get a whole lot better. There's a little diamond in there, you know? And so this always frustrated me. But what does reaching your full potential mean for us today? It means becoming the fullness of what God has for you. Because there is no greater potential, there's no job offer, there's no relationship, there's no bank account, there's nothing that could fulfill the God call in you, the destiny, the purpose, the calling he has for your life. And why do we know this? Is because Ephesians 2.10 says that we are his workmanship. We are his masterpiece that he has created for good works. What I want for our church, TFH, Norco Prison Campus, and all of our online family is to know you are his workmanship. He sees you right where you are and he has a good plan and a purpose for your life. So question I ask as we go into and step into this quick conversation on reaching your full potential, do you know why you were created? This question has been asked from philosophers to theologians, why are we created? Let me answer this debate in as quickly as possible. We are created to bring God glory. Okay, let's back this up with scripture. This is OT, Old Testament. Isaiah 43, 7 says, everyone who is called by my name, whom I've created for my glory, I have formed him. And then what Paul wrote to the the church at Colossae, he says, all things were created through him and for him. If we believe that we are called to bring God glory, then everything that we do in our life must reflect bringing God glory. And if he's not receiving glory from our life, we're actually pulling away from the glory of God. And what is that thing that's gonna stop you from reaching your full potential? Sin. Sin is gonna stop you from reaching your full potential. Why is that? Because Romans, in Romans 3.23, it says, for all have sinned and fallen short of what? The glory of God. So when we sin, we fall short of the glory of God. If we want to reach our full potential, we need to abstain. We need to run away from the things that steal glory from God. Can I get an amen? Amen. Okay, so in principle, and principle and practice are different. So in principle, if you're taking note, what does this look like? We are daily surrendering our will to the lordship and the leadership of Jesus Christ. Okay? But what does this look like in practice? That sounds real good. I'm daily surrendering my life. Like, that's frustrating. Like, like, that sounds real good. That sounds real holy. But daily picking up my cross, daily dying to self, daily saying not my will, but your will. Ooh, that's hard. So what I want to do is give seven quick ways that this looks like practice in our life. One's principle. This is practice. And to make things simple, and I was raised on Sesame Street, so all of them begin with the letter R to make it easy for everyone. Okay, if you're taking note, number one, a reborn soul. We cannot reach our full potential unless we have a reborn soul. 
Now, this is not just attain a reborn soul. This is maintain a reborn soul. And sometimes we are prone to think that we say this one prayer or we walk to the front of church and say, I'm a Christian. I said that prayer. Listen, listen, I want to demystify. There is no magic prayer that's going to grant you entry into the kingdom of God. What I do believe is every day I wake up and I say, Jesus Christ, I give you authority over my life. I, my, my, my will is your will. I lay down my desires at your feet and I want you to do in my life what I can't do on my own. Today, I choose you to be my Lord and Savior. And when we know who we are, it'll determine what we do. And just in case we forget, we are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. We are elect, we are called to tear down strongholds that his favor and his grace run through our veins, that we are children of the most high God. We are princes and princesses because we serve the King of Kings. And all I'm doing is declaring the truth. That's all just gospel truth. And my fear is that we lose our identity because we're trying to be someone else. I want that to sink in. We lose our identity when we try to be someone else and something we're not. We're living in a saturated generation where there's so many pictures of what success and perfection and beauty look like. And I'm talking about what would it look like for you to take on the identity that Christ has given you? You are a son and a daughter of the most high God. Therefore, I choose to maintain a reborn soul. I get to say Galatians 2.20, that it is no longer I who lives, but who that lives in me. Can you wake up every morning with a reborn soul and say, it is no longer I who live above me being a wife to man, above me being a female, above me being Latina, above me being a stepmom or single or rich or poor or tall or short above all of that. I'm a daughter of the most high king and you are a son and daughter of the most high king. What does it look like to maintain that reborn soul? Moving on to number two, a revived heart. Mm. What is heart? This is our spiritual state before God. What is our heart? Now, sometimes we think it's like a muscle in our body. No, it is the core of our passion, our potential, and our purpose. And as Matthew 6.21 says, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Where your heart is, that's where you're going to love the most. And do we practice Matthew 6.33? Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Where is your heart? And I love that David, especially for those that call TFHOC home, especially those that are online, part of the family, Norco prison campus. I love the words of David. As we step into this new decade, what would it look like to echo the words of David? As he says in Psalm 27, four, one thing that I have desired that I will seek that I might dwell in the house of the Lord. You know, what I love David didn't have a perfect heart. David didn't have the, the, the picture of perfection of a life, but what did he have? A heart pursuing God. Listen, we're all going to make mistakes. I'm going to make a whole bunch of mistakes. I need you guys to give me a ton of grace. But you want to know something? Can I have a heart that's pursuing God that is saying, I want to renew my heart so every day I just want to be in the presence of God. I want to be a house of the Lord and be with his people. And a revived heart can change every day. Because how many know you could be like holy and humble and happy on a Sunday and then you can be ignorant and arrogant on a Monday? Like what happens? Check your heart, church. Check your heart, okay? Where, where your heart? We gotta do some inventory. We gotta do some inventory. And here's the thing, this is super important because A.W. Tozer says, everybody's heart is stuck in a rut, beginning to rot, or experiencing constant revival. Where's your heart? As we close out this decade, if, 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 if you're sick and you have a fever, you put your hand to your head and you check, am I hot? 
Well, I believe that instead of a physical fever that we can check, we can do an emotional temperature where we take our heart and we put our, take our hand and we put it on our heart and say, how's my heart doing? Yeah. Am I in a rut as I close out this decade? Am I beginning to rot? Am I bitter? Or am I experiencing constant revival? Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all diligent diligence for out of it springs the issues of life. Even when things are out of control, even when your life has gone to hell in a handbasket, guess what? If you have a, a renewed heart, God will give you peace. Yeah. So begin to ask yourself some inventory in this year. Do you have a bitter heart? Do you have an angry heart? An anxious heart? A sad heart? A broken heart? Proverbs 12, 25 says, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. This is a good word, that there's a good God who loves you and wants to give you a revived heart in this new decade. Uh, look at three, a renewed mind. Now, our mind is a powerful thing that God has given us. And how many know and can be honest that what we think affects our mood? Yeah. Can I just admit, can I admit, can I admit this right now, this morning, I was questioning the existence of God. I was questioning the call of my life. I'm talking about existential questions that I'm having with Matt as I'm putting on my eyelashes this morning. Like, what is going on? And I literally had to get in my car and start my car. And I said, as I start my car, I'm renewing my mind. All of that is a chalkboard that has been erased. I believe that God is good for me. I believe that he loves me. I believe that he's forgiven me. I believe that he's given me a plan and a purpose. And though I may not know all the answers, I'm trusting that God has been good to me in the past. He's going to be good to me in the future. I need to control my mind see and Satan can't touch our heart so what does he go after our minds and our mind is the target of the enemy and he comes with fiery darts because he can't touch your heart so set your mind on things above not on things below think about as Matt says what you're thinking about think about what you're thinking about and we are bombarded with so many influences I'm talking about saturated with sexual images, lustful images, greedy images. Where is your mind? And I say this because in our modern day, our 21st century, we have more access to excess, instant gratification, and we want it now. We have access to excess, we have entertainment, and oftentimes we are so focused on things that are earthly that we've forgotten about what awaits us in the heavenlies. Isaiah 26, three says this, you keep him or her, you keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Will your mind stay on the Lord? And then Philippians 2, five says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. We're supposed to have the mind of Christ. Jesus gave us the mind that we're supposed to have. I love Romans 12 too. And Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. We got the playbook here. Why? Now that sounds all lovely. If it stops there, thank you, Paul, for that. But then he goes up, he levels up and says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. You want to know what God has for your life? Do not conform to the things of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And this starts, dare I say, when you wake up, don't turn on your phone. Don't look at 
Snapchat, Instagram, don't look at emails, don't look at the weather, don't look at Google News, don't look at anything. What would it look like to take the first 60 seconds of your day and say, Lord, I renew my mind. Lord, I give you my mind. Before my feet hit the ground, before my heart has to deal with any sort of mess of my day, will you renew my mind? I give you my mind. Why is this important? Psalm 1 says, meditate on the law of the Lord. And if you're bearing fruit in due season, you are doing the things of the Lord. So I give you the words of Paul, whatever things are good, whatever things are true, whatever things are pure, whatever things are noble, think about such things. Now it's not mind over matter. We live in this kind of like woo woo culture, like, oh, set your mind on it. It's not mind over matter, but it's setting your mind on the God who made matter so that everything in life doesn't matter. This is, where's your mind? Renew your mind. Number four, Refresh body. Now, uh, we are tripartite beings. That's, that means that we are made of body, soul, and spirit. And they're connected, therefore one affects the other. Have you noticed if you've had a healthy green salad, kale salad with some grilled protein, how your body reacts and feels to that versus you eat a bag of Flaming Hot Cheetos? <laughs> now, some of y'all don't like Flaming Hot Cheetos, but I believe they're from heaven. But you can only eat them in heaven, okay? Because they're so bad for you here on earth. But, but what we eat and what we ingest affects our mood. If you don't sleep and you wake up cranky, that affects your soul. You hate everyone. You know, everyone's the devil to you. You know, we have to maintain our body. Why is this? It's because 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, Honor God with your bodies. Ooh, we have been bought at a price. Now, during this time, if they were to be, they were understand that temples were maintained, temples were cleaned out. In fact, at our church, we throw out the trash, we vacuum, we straighten up, we maintain the temple. So if we maintain the church, why won't we maintain the temple that the Holy Spirit actually resides in? Yeah. God, if you believe that there's a call and a destiny upon your life, I'm called to start a business, I'm called to start a family, Called to go to law school. Don't shorten it by making dumb decisions. Things that we consume, the way that we live our life, not sleeping, not taking care of our temple. And this is no shade, but just an honest conversation. Paul, before this, in verse 18 of chapter 6, he actually says this. Flee from sexual immorality. All of those sins a person commits are on the outside of the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Then he goes into our body as a temple. So... If we are cautious about how we take care of our church building, why would we ignore the boundaries that are, we have for our own body? Yeah. So imagine, imagine rolling in to TFHOC on a Sunday morning and someone just trashed it. I mean, the chairs are jacked. There's trash on the floor. The bathroom has been messed up and desecrated. I mean, people have spray painted their names. John was here. Joe was here. Whoever left their names. How sad would we be? How grieved would we be? And yet we allow our brothers and our sisters to be entered into their temples and people's names are left. Their identities and marks are left there. And we say nothing. Oh, bless you, friends. Okay. No, no, no. Our bodies are a temple. We honor God. Why? Because you've been bought by a price. And that price is the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't get me on that because you know how I feel about sexual purity, all that stuff. Woo, woo, woo. Okay. Point number five. Right relationships. Right relationships. Peers and friends are vital. You want to step into this new decade? Let's be honest by a show of hands. How many have experienced isolation and loneliness? in the last decade, all of us. But how many know that a right relationship, a right word spoken at the right time by loving lips 
can heal that hurt. Can you show hands? Yeah. Look at what Proverbs says in Proverbs 27, 6. Better are the wounds of a friend than the than the kisses of an enemy. And you know what? Sometimes our friends can check us and it hurts. Like, oh, why'd you go there? Why'd you say that? That was so rude. But you know that they were speaking truth because the spirit of God inside of you is like, you got to listen because they're not trying to hurt your feelings. They're trying to make you a better person. And if, if you are associated with people that are not connected to Christ, be careful. Now, I didn't say don't hang out with them. I hope we have unsafe friends. I really do. But I'm saying if you change in their presence, then that's a bad relationship for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I, when I used to speak to kids and be like, hey, uh, I love Paul says in First Corinthians 3.13, bad company corrupts good morals. OK. And they're like, well, Jesus hung out with sinners. Yeah. The moment you turn water into wine, then you can go hang out with those carnal people. OK. But if you stop acting like Jesus in the company of those carnal folks, guess what? They're not for you. OK. So let's do inventory in, as we step into this next decade. For me, in this past decade, I had to let go of not just a friendship, but a best friend in a friendship. I realized that I had been uh, operating into pleasing a person more than I was my family and my God. I, I began realizing that when I was around this person, I took on their anxiety and depression. And no matter how many times I tried to step in and love and correct, I just realized that my vision was limited, that I, I started doubting the goodness of God. I found myself getting jaded after long conversations with this person. And I realized, I don't think this is the right relationship for me. Now, this person loved the Lord. This person had walked with the Lord for a number of years. I'm not saying that stop hanging out with carnal Christians I'm or carnal people. I'm talking about maybe there are some Christians in your life that are not lifting you up but tearing you down. Do some inventory as you go into the next season. And then if you don't have that person, what would it look like for you to be the person that you would want to be friends with? And initiate. Put yourself out there. See someone at church. See someone in community group. See someone and just invite them. Hey, do you want to go get coffee? Because they're probably just as isolated and lonely as us. Redeem the time is number six. You only have one life to live and so it shall be passed. And only what you do for Christ Jesus will last. Chuck Smith said that. Listen, are we redeeming the time? We need to get out of our temporal mindset and get on the eternal mindset. What are the things that I can only do here on earth and I want to do them? I can only pray with my brothers and sisters here on earth. I can only minister. I can only do certain things here on earth. So why just waste time on stupid things like social media, television, uh, Netflix? Now, here's the thing. Do I have a Netflix subscription? I absolutely do. Do I have social media? I absolutely do. Do I love those things? Absolutely. But the moment that they overtake me, the moment that I start looking at my inventory and I was like, four hours on social media, my gosh, you know what I could do with that? The moment I start complaining about how tired I am, but then I binge Netflix until midnight? Well, that's, midnight is late for me, y'all. I'm an old lady, okay? <laughs> hey, I want us to not waste time because idle hands are the devil's playground. Remember David, David was supposed to be in battle with his men, but he found himself on a balcony looking at a half naked woman. And what happened? It pulled him out of the call upon his life. Redeem the time. Take time to make time for the one who made time. Amen. And if you're sitting here and 
saying, I'm so busy, you don't understand my life. Listen, take five minutes with Jesus. Give him the first five minutes of your day. Read a, a psalm or read a proverb. Read something in the word of God because reading memes on Instagram don't count as devotionals, okay? Let's set that record straight. Oh, I heard this great podcast. Yeah, someone ate it and they spit out that truth. What truth are you eating out of the word of God that you digest, amen? James 4 says that our life is nothing but a it's nothing but a vapor. Here, this moment, gone the next. Psalm 90, verse 12. Teach us the number of our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. In Ephesians, the whole chapter speaks, tells us to, to walk wise for the days are evil. Hey, mm-hmm. redeem the time. Stir our hearts to the kingdom because the kingdom is near. Yeah. Redeem the time. And lastly, reproduce your faith. And this is my favorite, and I want to go out with this one. Who, in the next 10 years, can you bring to the Lord? What if you brought 10 people in the next decade? What if, what if they took a step in professing the Lord and you played a part in redeeming their story and keeping them, giving them life insurance, giving them fire insurance, okay? You want to keep them out of the place that they're not supposed to be. What would it look like if we took the first command of the Bible, which is Genesis 128, be fruitful and multiply. He told that to, to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, and then, then in the New Testament, he, Jesus says to go out and make disciples of all men and women. So this idea of multiply. So the first commandment and Jesus' last commandment here on earth is be fruitful and multiply. We're in the year A.D., Ado Domini, we are in the year of our Lord. So what would it look like for us to make disciples out of believers and converts out of heathens? What if we had this evangelical call of, I have to tell people about a man named Jesus that so wrecked my life, that so changed me from the inside out, that I have to, I have to. It would, if I tried to keep my mouth shut, it would come out my bones like fire. I've got to tell the world about this man named Jesus. He's given me a plan. He's given me a purpose and he's given me so much potential. And that is how we take this next decade. This is what I want for this church. The mission of TFHOC is 10 churches in 10 years, reaching over 10,000 people. And then what is going to God do after that? When people have stepped into their full potential and taken the church further, farther, faster for the glory and the fame of Jesus Christ.